Hey, welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast, episode number two, The Long Slam. These episodes will be ones where I sit down and talk with somebody, uh, probably from Madison, but hopefully some comedians and musicians who are passing through town. I'll sit and ask them to tell us some stories about their life, where they've been and where they're going. Today on the podcast, we have Tom Farley, who is the brother of late actor and comedian Chris Farley. He's also a New York Times bestselling author for his book, The Chris Farley Show, uh, which he co-wrote with Tanner Colby. We are at Johnson Public House, drinking coffee, maybe a beer, and, uh, you know, talked about his life, talked about his family, talked about Chris, and I asked him, what was it like growing up Farley? Thank you, sir. All right. How did, uh, who approached you about this? Um, about your book. That's a good question. You know, it's interesting. I'll go, I'll go you can go step back. Um, when, right after Chris died, when I was living in New York, <clears throat> um, I had this idea of, you know, always throughout Chris's life, but certainly after he died, you know, my friends and people would get together and we would just be telling these, um, uh, you know, the, the outrageous stories. Yes. Yeah. And I always wanted to, like, put to book, um, you know, all these great stories. You know, everyone knows all the stuff that's on screen. But, sure. You know, anyone that grew up in Madison with us or went to school with Chris or, you know, lived with him in uh, in um, Chicago, New York, or L.A., for that matter, uh, knew that, you know, personally or, you know, just off stage, Chris was ten times funnier. He was just out of control. Yeah. And I thought, wow, th- those would be the great stories because when, when we get around, you know, together that's what that's what we do and so i put together this concept for a book i shopped around a bit and it really not went anywhere because people all the uh, publishers would say you know that's great but you know your brother being who he was you yeah know, you need to tell the whole story you know? sure and i wasn't ready at that point to tell the the dark side and so um uh 10 years went by and uh um uh, tanner colby who who i wrote it with was uh, was a writer for uh, National Lampoon, mm-hmm. and uh, he called me up, and he had just done a book on Belushi. Yeah, and he said, "Wow, I, I've talked to like you know half the people I just talked to, you know, were the same people I would talk to for Chris." So I was sure. Like, All right, let's. So he approached me, and I said, "Well, that's a, that's a great idea. It's, I've I've always wanted to do that." So, and I was kind of ready to tell the whole story. And so, um, we sat down, and we and we did it. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, I. We didn't really intro it all. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Rosted. This is Madison's Story Slam, the long slam episode where we sit down with somebody and just kind of talk out stuff. And uh, we're here with Tom Farley, brother of uh, late comedian and actor Chris Farley, also New York Times bestselling author with The Chris Farley Show. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you for being here. Oh, that's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, we're at Johnson Public House. We are recording while they're open, so you may hear some coffee making sounds and some people doing things but it's cool we you know really thank johnson public house for letting us be here it's 908 east johnson street and um yeah you said something during that uh that reminded me you you said uh everybody knows the hilarity and the uh antics of chris on screen and on stage but nobody knew that 10 times it was 10 times funnier off and it reminded me, I was listening to a podcast that Sinbad was on, and he said something. I have it written down here. Let me get to it. Um, he said, 
that not everyone is a prodigy. Uh, not everybody has this gift that is just, you look at it and you see it, and it's just like, oh, that's totally what you're going to do. Some people's gift is persistence, is to just keep, um, you know, plugging away at it until it finally comes. And it kind of sounds like, uh, you know, from reading your book and then reading old articles and things about Chris, it kind of seems like for him, it was the opposite. It, he had that gift, and people just knew from early on. Yeah, I think it goes back to childhood. You know, Chris always had this um, kind of self-esteem kind of, you know, issue. It's like, sure. you know, I'm, I'm, you know, he was always uh, the, the portly one of the, of the family. And, uh, <laughs> he was always big. And I think he figured out, uh, you know, two things, you know. I'm never going to change people's perception, per, perception of me. I, I just got to, you know, if I'm going to do anything, I, I just got to be myself. Sure. Which, you know, I'm still trying to figure out. But, you know, he, he, uh, he said, look... People are going to see me the way they're going to see me. I can't change that, so I'm just going to be me, and and then um, maybe even kind of turn it up a few notches. You yeah, know, really <laughs> shove it in their faces. Yeah, I mean, he really was. You know, it's like, yeah, this is really me. And he also, you know, used. He said, you know, you know, if it got ugly, you know, I'll use my my humor to diffuse it, even self depreciating sure. humor. And so, um, it was really this this way of 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 kind of, you know, you know. Being, per, you know, it was part of his personality, and so he, he learned that right away. Um, in my book, also, I think yeah, Alec Baldwin mentioned. He said there's two kinds of actors. He said there's there's the kind that the people that learn all they can about, you know, a a, a, a character and, and pile it on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and it's it's all like you know it's it, it's this, these these multi layer of coats that they put on yeah. themselves, and um, then there's the other kind that you know, open their soul up. They just like, oh, you know, it's like, it's going to start with me and I'm just going to open everything, give everything I got to this character. Yeah. And that was Chris. Chris was the kind of like, you know, I'm going to, you know, throw everything I have into this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't want to focus this entire thing on Chris, but Go I feel on. like I would be remiss yeah. if we didn't talk about it a little bit. You know, not only that, but, you know, A... You know, you know, it started back, you know, when I had to share a bedroom with him when my mm-hmm. parents, you know, made me do that, um, to living in New York with him when he first got to SNL and I yeah. was already out there, uh, to, uh, after Chris died, running the foundation for 15 years, the Chris Farley Foundation. Yeah. Um, I can't get away from it. Yeah, so. it's, it's inescapable. <laughs> it's really, it's um, really not. So. But so I say that uh, because I'm going to reference your book again. Again, it's the Chris Farley Show, and it's honestly one of the best books. I, I read you. it every year. Um, not only because I like comedy, but like I like good stories. That's why I do this podcast. I like to hear stories. True, true. And um, the w- you know the way it's done with with having you know and uh, what what is it called the, an oral narrative? Yeah, or- oral history. Yeah, oral yeah, yeah. Narrative, yeah. So so it's it's actors and friends and friends from childhood and then friends from SNL days. All that kind of stuff are telling their stories about Chris, and it's lined up in this long story and it's awesome but the one I wanted to pick out was I don't remember the exact quote but it's from uh, Chevy Chase where he basically says to Chris listen I knew Belushi and you're no Belushi right and it's interesting because I think people my age and from my generation would look at Chris and go no he is Belushi like I mean he was that good and awesome and I just think it's this, this interesting 
um, not not a dichotomy, but just the, the the difference between the generation where it's like yeah. Chevy looks at John Belushi and he was a god, and I think you talk to anybody in comedy today and say Farley was a god. Chris Farley was so, a god. What I think Chevy was 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 saying was two things. One was you know a different a different level maybe of 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 of, of talent, which I would you know a lot of us would argue. Um, yeah. Against, but um, the other thing is um, that people, everything I've ever read about Belushi and Chris and I would even have these same talks, you know, you know, even back in high school sure. when Wired came out, is that you know Belushi, what 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 made, there was a lot of similarities, but what made them really different, and I think what Chevy wanted to point out is why you're not Belushi is Belushi was a really dark guy. Sure, I mean he had some, re- I mean he had some anger, and Chris. Just the polar opposite. He yeah. was just, you know, he, he loved the underdog. He, you know, he loved the, you know, he was very religious. He was very family oriented. He was, you know, so yeah, that, you know, the, the, the comedy similarities are easy to point out, but the personality differences vastly different. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, that really shines through even in Chris's comedy. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, it shine, it, it, you see it just looking at him. Um, mm-hmm. Even in dark roles, like I, I don't know, Dirty Work is not a super dark role for him, but it's it's darker than Tommy right. Boy, for instance. But still, you see Chris, and you're like, oh, he's just a fun-loving kid. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. he will like that face. He's always just a fun-loving kid, um, which I love. I, I mean, that's a total Wisconsin. I feel like total well, Wisconsin thing. I bring out that all the time. It's yeah. like Chris was really exporting. Who we are, sure. In our culture in Wisconsin, we are, you know, um, what you see is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so to get off Chris just a little bit, tell me about. Uh, I have referred to it the last couple of days. Growing up Farley, yeah. And what was that like, especially in the city of Madison, in yeah. Maple Bluff specifically? Well, um, <clears throat> you know, it starts obviously with my, you know, my parents. Um, you know, we've got, you know, you know, my dad who was. You know, Madison born and bred, you know, and uh, very con- conservative, but very, you know, Irish, came from a big Irish family. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, you know, when you come from a big Irish family, you're always competing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, always funny, but dad was always, because he was from, you know, the conservative Midwest, um, uh, very judicial with his humor. He was very, sure. the right audience, right joke with the right audience <laughs> always, you know. Um, and uh, uh, the flip side of that is my mother is from Boston. Crazy Irish Boston, you know, you know, and my grandfather was the same way. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so uh, all the, the the really the risk taking comes from my mom. You know, mm-hmm. she just was would say anything. And so you know, we grew up in this kind of weird, you know, kind of um, you know, between you know, we were always you know we were always just you know it was always about the laugh. Yeah. We, we were we were comedy junkies. Sure. You know, I mean, I, I can name so many influences from Jackie Gleason, watching, you know, those shows to, to Carol Burnett. You know, we which we you know, th- and especially you know, when Chris went into the ensemble world of improv, it was we he, you know went back to his our yeah. roots and in watching uh, Carol Burnett all the time. But, you know, then when SNL came out, we were, we were, we were just voracious. Every movie, um, and, you know, and Saturday morning cartoons. Sure. I mean, every morning we were up at the crack of dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, just you know, Bugs Bunny, everything. We were just, you know, 
Yeah. Devouring. You know, it's interesting in your book, um, you talk about, you know, it's interesting when you read a book specifically written by the brother of somebody you admire, and you can kind of read into uh, the pages a little more than just the text on the pages. True. And you talk about um, how Chris was kind of like, um, um, I, I don't know if you say the ex- exact words, but like, you know, if Chris wanted it, it was done. Like, like the specific example I'm thinking of is one day Chris was like, I want to be a hockey player. I want to play hockey. <laughs> and the next day he had all this brand <laughs> the new whole hockey gear. gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess I'm curious. Uh, so what I read into that um, is, you know, I have a brother. I have siblings. If I wrote that down, it would come from a place of sort of uh, resentment almost. Like, did you feel that at all? Like, do you... Uh, do you feel like at all, you you are the oldest brother, right? Your sister's the eldest. Yes, yeah. And then I was the oldest of four boys, yeah. So do you feel like at all that, like, Chris overshadowed, uh, overshadowed you, uh, like, particularly as a kid, and was there resentment there? And the only resentment I think I ever had was that being the oldest, you know, I had all this kind of pressure to, to do what my dad, sure, you know, wanted me to do. And so, you know... Um, yeah, you know, uh, so I, I just kind of spent my whole life toeing the line, trying to be, you know, Tom Junior. Yeah, and you know, I would turn around and see this middle child, this, this younger brother of mine, <laughs> just you know, stepping over that line, you know, flaunting, you know, all the, the yeah. norms and making friends on top of it. Sure. You know, and I always thought like, were yeah. you shy? Were you a shy kid? K- kind of, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I look at old family pictures, of which there are several in the book, um, and you look like the shy kid. Yeah, you I, know, no, I, I think say, you and John yeah. specifically, you look like... Oh, the, Kevin, Kevin was the quietest. Really? Kevin was flat out... See, I look at you and yeah. John, and I think, uh, I, I hope this term doesn't offend you, bookish. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. You were very studious. That and, you would never say that about John. Really? Uh, oh, no, God, no. no. John, John, as a matter of fact, he was most, probably the most animated of, of all of us outside of Chris. Sure. Um, Johnny, you know, Johnny was the youngest, so he was, you know, he was the crowd pleaser. Yeah. Um, Kevin was silent Sam. He just was steady. Yeah. You know, got the good grades, you know. He was, you know, um, uh, in better shape than any of us, better athlete than all of us. Um, no, I was kind of a hybrid of all that. I, I, I wouldn't say I was, no one in my family was shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- n- that wasn't it, but I was, you know, I was, I studied, I dressed well. Yeah. That's, that's my point. You know, I studied, I dressed well, you know, I, I, you know, did all the things I was told to do for the most part. And yet, and Chris did none of those <laughs> and, you know, got all this attention and got all the, you know, all the positive friends. attention too. Yeah. And, positive, I mean, and even yeah. negative attention. Well, it even, sounds like it was sort of positive, like getting in trouble at school and then everybody leaves laughing anyway. Yeah. yeah well, even when he got into trouble, you know, yeah. and that was the, that was the, the thing about Chris is he, he learned, right. He, he wasn't a malicious, you know, he didn't make fun of people. He wasn't, you know, t- he didn't tell jokes or do a prank at somebody's expense. Yeah. He just saw something that would be really funny if I did this. <laughs> and he had n- no qualms about doing it. Yeah. And, you know. In my, like hanging a moon. In, yeah, in the, like uh, in my book, you yeah. know, when they're talking about it. And then, you know, you get my mom and dad and, the you know, the principal and all these you know, guidance counselors sit in a room, you know, and they're trying to like, well, what did Chris do? And they'd like start talking about what he did. And, you know, everyone's cracking up within seconds. You yeah. Know? It's like, oh, geez. 
That's too good. Yeah. I, well, yeah. But I mean, I see again. I look at that and like, I would be, I would be like, a little resentful. Like, be like, if I do something like that, I straight up get in trouble. Because, because you know, from what you're saying is, you towed the line. So if yeah. so if Tom Junior hung a moon in class, and yeah. and Tom Senior and your mom came in, you would get in trouble. There there would not be laughing with the principal about it. For, if, from my perspective, right. that's what it sounds like. Well, I, I guess I guess I, my approach, you know, because why I didn't do it is because I always got caught. I would do something, <laughs> you know, trying not to get caught. Yeah. And Chris would do everything with the express purpose of being caught. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, who's going to laugh? Yeah, exactly. You, know? you, you got to get the laugh. Yeah. So that that that's what made his you know, antics different than mine. And so, you know, I never, actually, I, I never wanted Chris to get into more trouble or why didn't he get punished for this? Because I too kind of thought, wow, that was funny. Unless it was, <laughs> unless it was, you know, the, the only thing, I, I wasn't resentful. There was a lot of times where I was embarrassed. Sure. You know, by like, oh my God. You know. Embarrassed, you were embarrassed or were you embarrassed for him? Oh, I was, no, I was embarrassed. Yeah. No, I was like, you know, um, you know, I, you know, be talking to a girl in the hallway at, you know, in, in high school as a senior, and you know that would be difficult for me. Yeah. But uh, and then Chris would come rolling down the hall, you know, just you know doing his act, and and you know I was like, oh crap, here he comes. Sure. And he would you know say something, you know, walk by me like, uh, hey Tommy, you went to bed last night. It's like <laughs> shit. All right. I mean, he would just you know. Yeah. And. You know, me talking to I just, I can't me struggling talking to a girl, and somebody walking by and saying you went to bed last night. You know, when I look back at it, it's hysterical. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, uh, but at the time I was like, son of a, you know, yeah, I, damn it, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, uh, this is a this is on topic. Uh, asking out girls or talking to girls in high school was. Terrible. Oh, this is brutal for me. I, I, like you, went to a private religious school. I didn't go to Edgewood. Um, I went to a small private Christian school that was non-denominational. Um, and it took a long time to like be like, hey, talking to girls is... Act- like, uh, dating girls is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean yeah. No, no I, 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 one worse than that is um, my junior year... I went to prep school in Rhode Island yeah. to an all boys Catholic prep school. Yeah. Away, you know. So I came, you know, because my dad really wanted to get me into Georgetown. That's sure. what I cared about. Yeah. Because he went there. Because right? he went there. Yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, that was my lot in life. You know, I did yeah. what dad do. Yep. Did it, you know? So, um, so I came back my senior year of high school, and after like a year of just being around, you know, guys, and I'm like. You know, there's no way I can ask a girl. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how to do it anymore. I mean, yeah. I never, I never learned. You know, I never, there was no training ground because. Yeah. Sure. I, you know, I throughout all of high school, even when I had a girlfriend, I had a crush on this girl in my class, like off and on all of high school, and uh, I'll never forget senior year. I finally, I finally had the balls to like go up and ask her out. It was to uh, either homecoming. I think no, it was prom. It's at the end of the year prom. And I had had a girlfriend that entire year, and three weeks before prom, uh, she broke up with me, and she was living in Chicago. And, um, and so th- this girl that I had a crush on all through high school, her name was Laura, and uh, 
I get out. I remember I come down the hallway and like turn left, and her locker was all the way to the other end of the school, but I could see her. It was a small school, and her locker was right next to the door to like the north tower, the stairwell. And you know, uh, even as an 18 year old senior, asking a girl out was uh, terrifying, yeah. and it was like time slowed down, and like you could hear your heartbeat. It was like. Uh, it was like, I, I compare it to like the six million dollar man when he started doing something awesome like you're slow you're like ah, gosh, gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah and uh, so I, I start walking towards her and like as soon as like I make up my mind to like I am going to you to ask you out I see that door open right by our locker and this guy walks in and his name is uh, Tony and Tony was was one of the popular guys I was not a super popular guy I hate guy. Tony I know I hate Tony <laughs> I walk in I, I see him walk in and he talks he says something to her and I knew right there what was going on and but I'm still walking I'm like well maybe he's just asking about the assignment whatever yeah. and then I see her face you know brighten right. up and and then she shakes her head yes and I'm like damn it I like the I finally had the guts to ask you out and you just got asked out by Tony wow you're still dealing with that a bit I'm not you know yes what? you I'm, are Adam <laughs> come on no you know what I'm happily married now uh, so. it does has nothing to do with it but go ahead <laughs> um, try and get out of it but uh, yeah um, um I used to have to uh, drive Chris to school, mm-hmm. and so when I was a senior, he was a sophomore, and I drove um, another neighbor friend of ours who I had dated, like you know, in like seventh grade, you know, like sure. kind of like that kind of you know, dated, like, yes, passing notes basically, yeah. <laughs> and um, maybe making a phone call if your parents. Like, yeah. No, not even that. No, yeah. that's that was forbidden. But uh, um, and then we got to high school, and I asked her to. Homecoming. Mm-hmm. That was sophomore year. So I had asked her to sophomore. So I actually had gone on a couple of days with sophomore year, but I was still like, you know, grew up with her, neighbor of mine, still like could barely talk to her. You know, I sure. still like couldn't, you know, deal with that. <laughs> so, um, but I would drive her and Chris, and so she'd be in the front seat, Chris be in the back. And literally every week there was always something like, you know, be in the back and just lay out just this loud fart. <laughs> Just let it rip and yeah. go, and then go, oh, Susie. And she's like, that wasn't me. And I'm like looking, you know, half, the, half you know, I'm looking in the rear of your mirror. It's like I wanted to tear them apart. I was so mad. And sure. then, or at the same time, laugh my ass off because it was so funny. And that's what Chris would do to me all the time. Yeah. I mean, he would do something so funny that, or like, you know, like we'd be in church. Oh, yeah, and, and you know he would fart and like you know fart in church next to me and like move down the pew and look at me with this like oh my god I can't believe you just did that and like what, dude <laughs> you know you can't you know and I wouldn't re- I wouldn't sure. like point my finger no it was him because was just, then you look guilty yeah anyway. totally you're guilty like, either yeah, you're, way he's, yeah no he got me and so again half you know my first you know impulse is like be super pissed and want to like you know you know punch him out and then, and then you know a few minutes later I'm like wow I, I wish I had the balls to do that and that's funny shit that is you know a church specifically uh, I my dad's a pastor and my grandfather was a pastor here in Madison of a fairly large church for about 40 years and so I there are countless times where like I'd be sitting you know in the chair on Sunday morning and you know, some, as a kid, especially as like a teenager, something just kind of tickles you. Oh, the church right is way. our breeding ground for humor. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. Yeah, we had you know we learned the the, the the skill of silent laughing. 
Yeah. You know, oh yeah. yeah you know, it was, but I learned that skill after I learned that skill the hard way because like you, you know, you don't always have that skill. And so like, I'd laugh out loud and just, it'd be uncontrollable because, you know, it's one of those times where like, I can't laugh loud right now, but I can't, but because I can't laugh out loud less right, right now, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, I remember one time my sister and I were sitting behind my mom who was holding a, a little girl who was in the church and uh, she was stroking her hair for some reason and go, she goes, in exa- like this voice exactly, she's like, you're so pretty, you're pretty, where's your brother? And it was like the creepiest thi- <laughs> thing we'd ever heard. And my sister and I just lost it. And at this point... Where did you find the child first? Okay. <laughs> exactly. And, but at this point, my sister and I, I'm, t- I'm probably 20 years old. My sister's 23. And we're like a bunch of teenage, young teenage kids just rolling. And my dad's up front preaching, giving us the eyes. So I totally oh. get that, the church thing. Oh, well, Chris got me the, the best he ever got me was when we were altar boys. And it was an Easter Mass. We were at St. Pat. Uh, no, it was at St. Raphael's that burnt down. So we were at St. Ray's uh, saying Mass. And back in those days, you know, when you were an older boy, you had to, um, uh, certain points of the Mass, you had to ring a bell. Yeah. So we're sitting up there, and it's Easter. So there's like five priests up there, you know, with, you know, the, with the bishop, you know, holding court. Um, the the good bishop that we used to have, not the current one. Sure. Anyway, anyway that's yeah, off topic. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. That's another story altogether. Um, so the bishop's up there with about three priests flanking him. It's Easter, and you know Chris and I, of course, um, being you know having severe ADD, yeah, you know, quickly lost track of what was going on in the church, you know, mass, and we were just looking around, looking around, and all of a sudden I hear this, Tommy, Tommy, and I'm immediately thinking, oh, bell time. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris was going, no, no. And so I grabbed the bell and started ringing, ringing, ringing. And the, the priests would all just stop and look at me with this look of horrified, what are you doing? And I'm re- totally realizing that I'm like five <laughs> minutes early on this. And all I hear next to me is, <laughs> it's like, oh, damn, you got me. Got uh, me. What was the age difference? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm five years below my brother. I have an, I have an older brother and an older sister. And... Uh, so five we years. were packed in, all of us. Yeah, I would. You know what? Rereading the book last night, uh, I was like, "You were born in like '62, one, '61, and then Christmas '63, early '64. I was late '61. He was early '64. Kevin '64, '65, and then uh, John '68. Yeah. yeah, and Barbara '60. Yeah, and I mean, that's yeah. that's four kids, five kids, five four, kids, in, five kids yeah. in eight years. Yeah, man. Oh, my, my mom, I heard an uh, uh, interview of my mom once. It was great. Um, we were here. I don't know where it was. Out in New York. And somebody said, like, well, God, you know, what was it like, you know, raising five kids, one of them the future Chris Farley? You know? Yeah. Um, she said, you know, we grew up in Madison in the late 60s, early 70s was when we were kind of all kind of in, sure. in, our, in our, just kind of coming out. And mom's question was, or mom's answer was, there was a war? <laughs> really? <laughs> Late 60s? Really? Yeah. And Madison, and they were protesting in Madison? I, no, no not, idea. not on my radar. Yeah. Yeah, that's how distractive we were. Uh, do you, well, I believe that, that there was a distraction there. Uh, but, I feel, you know, I, as a native Madison, I was born in Chicago but moved here when I was like nine months old. My parents were both from here. Um, to me, Maple Bluff is this... It, you know, it is its own thing, but then even more than that, like it's, it's sort of closed off. So like, I can imagine people who didn't have five kids in a, in the span of five or er, eight years, uh, 
would be closed off at that time to certain things that were happening. And oh, we yeah, we lived in a bubble. Maple Bluff yeah. was a total bubble. Oh yeah. I mean, I I went uh, after college. I went uh, to New York for 17 years. Lived in New York for a long time, and I moved back here about 10 years or 11 years ago. And I'm like. When did Madison be this cool, creative, artsy kind of place? It always. Blew the answer is always. me away. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, we were told not to go near Williamson Street. Sure. I'm like, oh, this, is my, this is the greatest place on earth, Willie Street. And, you know, yeah. and, the, you know, and, and we grew up on the east side. And like, now look at, look at Johnson Street. I mean, look at this place. This, this is the, like the cool capital of the, of the Midwest. Yeah. And, you know... I had no clue because I went. I lived. In, we we grew up in Maple Bluff and went to Edgewood. I mean, yeah. two, two of the biggest bubbles. You know, oh yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, I've been just going crazy nuts since I got back here. Yeah. Just eating, well, you know. When did you move back here? Um, in 03. 03. Okay. Yeah. And I, I know that you were in Connecticut for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we I started out in you know in the city mm-hmm. and we started having kids. I moved up to Westchester and then finally up to Connecticut. But I was taking the train into the city every day. Sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, I you know what? If anything becomes off limits with you, just let me know. I just wrote a book that like I, well, I, know, I put but, everything in my family. Well, I know, secrets, you know I, skeletons. I bring that up. So let me just finish this. If anything becomes yeah, off yeah, limits, gotcha. let me know. We can edit around it. Okay. Fine. I have met your daughter Emma several times. Seriously, I have. Um, I used to work for Badger Bus. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, of course, you know Emma. Yeah. So I. So I say that if Emma's anything's the, off limits because no, no, no. I don't want to be like, hey, your daughter's in a wheelchair. No, and, Emma and is the be. next generation. She is, she's got all yeah. the genes that you know came from. I mean, she is hysterical. I mean, and she's blunt, and you know, she's a, you know, I mean, I taught her to be a because she's in a in a wheelchair. She's got a physical disability. I taught her to be a self advocate from from day one. Yeah, and I also taught her, you know, through Chris, using Chris's examples. Like Chris was always the champion of the underdog. So, you know, um, when she was at West, her her, her pet project her, her, was this peer partners program, mm-hmm. where you know they would try to integrate people with development disabilities into you know yeah. their peers, you know, mm-hmm. and and do activities and and uh, and people would go up to Emma because she's in a wheelchair and she's smarter than crap and you're like you know oh you know you're, oh you're part of the peer partner group she's like no 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 no, no. no I, I i'm i'm the i'm the i'm the head of the club yeah i don't put you know, i'm like uh, no i'm here because i understand both worlds really well yeah but um yeah no i'm the one trying to integrate totally these, these friends of mine into this other group of friends of mine so yeah so she's but uh she's got she's got Better lines than Chris ever had growing up. I mean, sure, they were just classic. Well, I you know the first time I met her, I remember I picked her up from MATC one day, mm-hmm. and I you know I saw the name, and uh, I don't think I had read your book at that point, oh. uh, so it, it didn't officially register. But you know you see that last name in Madison, yeah, totally, and you can't help but think, well, maybe. I um, love the people that say like, "Oh, the piano people." It's like, do I look like the piano people? <laughs> you know, I've always wondered if there was any <laughs> affi- affiliate. So, nothing close. So I no. pick her up. I take her to where her apartment once was on University at the time. Yeah, and um, and that was it. I didn't say anything. And then the next time I picked her up, I was training a new driver, and I I picked up. I part of the reason I like doing this uh, uh, is because of that job. I met so many awesome people and. And just kind of learn, like, hey, I'm driving a bus for 10 hours a day. Yeah. It's 
pretty shitty unless I start talking to people and asking them questions, whatever. So uh, I'm driving down East Wash and Emma's in the back and this person who's training to be a new driver is sitting next to me. And I, <laughs> I just said, Emma, how often do you get the question in this city with your last name? How often do you get, oh, are you related to Chris and all? And she, and she was like, oh my, all the time, like every day. I was like, does it get pretty old? And she's like, no, not really. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I'm driving, and we're quite, kind of quiet for a while, and I go, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I couldn't help it. I just went, so are you? <laughs> I think she told me the story. I think I, really? I remember. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, uh, I, I am. He was my uncle. I said, oh, so you're like, Tom's your dad? And she's like, yeah. And I go, his book is the best. Like She told me the story. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. Uh, she said, next time you see me, give me your, your book, and I'll have my dad sign it. Absolutely. And, I can't wait to tell her. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, uh, to me, it wasn't, oh, Chris Farley's your uncle. It was, hey, the author of... So I had read the book at that point. I was like, the author of one of my favorite books is your dad. Like, that was so cool. So, But the, the person that I was training lost it <laughs> and started telling Emma that she's famous and, and was, like, going crazy. Like, to me, yeah. that's, that's the negative side of that. Of, but of, you get so used to it that it's funny. It see, is, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's like, come on, okay. But like, I would like, look up in the rearview mirror and Emma would kind of roll her eyes. And I finally turned to this lady I was uh, training. And I was like, listen, she is the daughter of an author and the niece of somebody who was on TV and in movies. And she didn't care. <laughs> Did no, not I care didn't, whatsoever. No. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, this is the Midwest. There's no filters, you know. Yeah. It's just, you know. Um, but uh, that was really interesting. These uh, kids were all middle school when we moved back here. And mm-hmm. when we lived out in New York, you know, um, I don't know, just people act, just didn't, act, it, you know, you had your own life and you yeah. just kind of did your own thing. People, and, you know, even if we're in New York and you're walking down and you see somebody famous, you're like, you know, oh, yeah, they don't get bothered. There's that kind of, I mean, that's yeah, why yeah, John just, Lennon yeah. liked, yeah. loved just, living yeah, in New York because he could just, walk down the street. Totally. And, so when we moved here, which was really funny, and we moved back to the, you know, the, was that hard for your kids? Did like were they against moving here? Uh, only because their mom was who's uh, who was uh, um, from New York and her mm-hmm. family's from New York, so she was very bitter about moving here. But the kids kind of and so they they're like taking these clues from from their mom, like you know this is no fun. But they you know quickly got it sure. real quickly, and I, you know I think that. Madison Public Schools for that. I mean, I, I'm a marketing guy. Tried to market Madison as best I could. They weren't buying it. I put them in the in the public schools, and they're like, "Wow, this place is cool because yeah. it's all the diversity and the cool." I mean, they just like, "Wow, this is so much cooler than the you know kind of staid you know East Coast and sure very compa- you know hyper competitiveness of everything." People were like kind of chill and kind of relaxed. no, they they totally got it. They loved it, um, but. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, you were saying that. Oh, so when we got you know to, back to the you know the Farley you know you know the roots. Yeah, yeah. They you know so nobody you know bothered you about the Farley. You know we were just you sure. Know, Farley didn't mean anything out there. There happened to be you know a celebrity with the last same last name, but yeah, nobody cared. I so mean, it's a fairly here. common name anyway. So, yeah, and so you, you just wouldn't care. But but yeah. here it's a whole different story. And so they would go to like, you know uh, the dentists. Sure. Oh, you at Farley? You know, wow, we used to take care of your dads and brothers, you know, and or like my dad went to school with your, you know, with your uncle. But you know, exactly I think you're exactly right. Like I feel like that's less to do with Chris and more to do with the Them's, family in general. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like well, the, everyone for wants instance, a connection. Like, yeah, exactly. But 
do you think people with the last name Whitford, because of Bradley Whitford, if if your last name is Whitford and you're in Madison, are people going, oh hey, you are you must be? I don't think so. Who's the next door neighbor of ours growing up? Really in Maple Bluff? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we were in the same boys' club troop. Sure, Brad. So like, I don't I don't think that people. I think it was more to no, do with right. you know, Big Tom Farley was Big Tom Farley. Dad? Yeah. Oh yeah, we were a big persona family, and we you were. From yeah. my from my perception of things, from what I've read online in articles, and then your book, um, uh, man, what's who who played the dad in Tommy Boy? Brian Denny. Yeah, to me, from what I've read, that is Big your dad. Tom. Yeah, that's your dad. Absolutely. And so, like to me, that's why I think like in Madison, the name Farley. Yes, for a certain generation, it was Chris, but for I think most people in Madison, it would be, oh, that's. Tom, like that's well, and it was, and it, it was, it's, it, it, and it was my dad growing up too. I, I when I first moved back, um, uh, I ran into Ben Sidron, and Ben and uh, and Judy's uh, his wife said, uh, "Oh, you're from the West Side." It's like, no, we grew up in the East Side. It's like, oh, really? Because we live in the Farley House. I said, "Oh, yeah, we live in the Farley House." I go. Where do you live? Oh, on Jefferson Street. It's like, oh, 1922 Jefferson. Yeah, that's my dad's house. I mean, you sure. Know, you know, so, I mean, they were, there was something going, you know, because they had six and yeah. they had six siblings. So, I mean, yeah, we were just strong personalities. I said the same thing to you when I met you, though. I, I yeah. said, aren't you from Middleton? Yeah, and, right. And, but, you know, I think uh, I was, I grew up in Sun Prairie and um, have only recently just moved officially to Madison when I got married. And, I think it's really easy, you know, I kind of said that Maple Bluff is its own thing and is kind of blocked off from things that are happening in Madison. It's easy, if you're not a part of Maple Bluff, to totally forget that it's there. Yeah. Because uh, I think of I, I think of your family as being fairly affluent and, or at least... For Wisconsin, I guess. Yes, for Wisconsin. And, and, and most of the people I know who are that way, are from no, you the know west what? side. Um, yeah, I guess. You, you, but, you know, see, and that's the, 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 the difference with us growing up. It's like my mom's from Boston. Mm-hmm. She uh, the, the whole East Coast thing. My dad, you know, went to Georgetown, and, you know, he was never without a, a, a blazer. So we literally, you know, we liked to dress up and sure. look nice. And, you know, dad drove a Cadillac for really the only reason he because he couldn't fit into a bucket seat. It was the only car that really fit him. Yeah. He was a big, you know, such a big guy. So, yeah. um, but he liked, you know, he had his big car and, you know, we were just, you know, but we always looked really nice and we did things with style and class and we cared about those things. Yeah. It didn't mean we had a lot, ton of money. I mean, to this day, I mean, when I was in college, I didn't have a pot to piss in. Sure. But I looked like a million bucks. And yeah. dad taught us that. And we just, um, you know. Um, Do you think that was a detriment? Um, oh, in Madison it was. Well, I guess I just mean, like, even personally for your family, like, hey, we, because you kind of allude to it in the book, we have to keep up this appearance. Oh, uh, yeah. Even if we can't, have, like, you talk about being pulled, pulled out of all the parochial schools. Um, and being put in, pu- in public schools, I think briefly, yeah, yeah, and and that it was it was kind of hard for your dad to do that, like because it was during the oil cr- cr- yeah. crisis, yeah, and, and it was a yeah, yeah, it was and yeah, because it was. So I guess my question is like, do you do you feel like it was a detriment in the sense that like, um, 
your dad might have been too worried about that perception that people had of your family a little bit? No. Like, like I think of the quote in your book. I, I, I hate to keep saying your book, your book, your book. But yeah. I think of the quote where um, um, Beverly Hills Ninja, your dad told Chris, you don't turn down that kind of money. You just don't. Well, that was a good business. He was a good businessman. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's um, you know, d- Dad was in an interesting business. You know, Dad was in the oil business, or the asphalt business, really, you know, yeah. road paving. And so he would go out throughout Wisconsin to the, to the county highway commissions to bid for their road paving business mm-hmm. for in the county. So he'd be going to these, like, you know, farm counties, like, you know, Grant and Lancaster County and Greene County and sure. and he and he and, and the people on the highway committees were these uh, gentlemen farmers, mm-hmm. you know they, that that uh, and uh, they would roll in. He's this big guy. He'd always have a you know nice tie on, blue blazer, and a big Cadillac. And you'd think this guy isn't going to sell them anything. <laughs> it's like these two are so far apart. But Dad would own them. Yeah. He just he would he was a good listener. He would just he would make them laugh. Yeah. And so, um, I think he kind of taught us this. You know, not to, you know we 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 all, we we always have throughout all of our lives. My brothers, my dad um, challenged people's first impression. Sure. And we we're like you know we're going to give you a first impression, uh, challenge you to to see if you can pe- pin us down like oh they're you know wealthy, you know, privileged, blah, 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 blah. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, we start, you know, connecting and we're, 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 we're bonding and, I'm, you know, I'm telling you stories and you're laughing your ass off. And, you know, and all of a sudden, like, wow, that's not what I had in mind at all. I, it's not my impression at all. And, you know, we kind of thrived on that our entire lives. And, yeah. And still, you know, it, it, it and it, it's all, it's also, it, you know, it's kind of painful too. Sure. You get really pissed off um, when... When you know that people are judging you that way, but you also know you have such confidence in your in your personality, like give me a chance, I'll own you. I'll, yeah, you know you're gonna love me. But how do you spin that? Like, you, you know, uh, so I I, gr- I, grew I put up. The, I I, well, I put I put the onus on them. Yeah, it's like you're the one that made the first you know judgment yeah. of me. I'm gonna make you swallow it. Yeah. I, I, have you found that it's hard to change? Uh, specifically, I I so. I was not a nice kid in high school. I, I was really shy throughout middle school. And I went to a school that was K through 12 uh, and really small. So I went from kindergarten through senior year of high school, same school, was shy and kind of got picked on in, in middle school. And then in high school, I looked at, uh, my, after my freshman year, I looked at all these people who were picking on me and they had all these friends. And I was like, well, screw that. I'm coming to school next year and going to be mean to everybody. And then I'll have friends. And, and it worked. And so for a long time... You know, I got out of high school and realized, hey, you know what? That's not important to have tons of friends or whatever. Like, uh, I realize that too, what's yeah. important is to be happy with yourself. And like, I was never happy being a jerk to people. But uh, what I have found since then is that it's hard to change who you are if people don't let you forget who you were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Well, you know, I don't know. I, the biggest. What, what's funny is is um, yeah I mean I, I I grew up in a very conservative Republican family in yeah. Maple Bluff <laughs> in, okay. in Madison Wisconsin in, in, yeah but you know that's yeah, you know, yeah. Um, 
you know, my dad was, you know, started the Young Republicans at, at Georgetown. He was having, you know, he was getting drunk, you know, at Joe McCarthy's house, yeah. you know, and um, at, at the time, the two Wisconsin boys. And, um, uh, and so I grew up saying, you know, you know, I guess that's what we are. But then, you know, I started having kids and... You know, it's like, I don't have an infatuation with guns. And, you know, I don't, sure. I don't think, you know, Roe v. Wade is ever going to be overturned. So why even have that conversation? I started kind of changing. And then I moved back to Madison and I really, you know, I went, you know, just, yeah. whole, I, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to embrace my Irish roots. Uh, um, you know, I started reading tons of books on Bobby Kennedy and like, I was going to ask, how did your dad feel about Bobby Kennedy? Irish Catholic uh, uh, or, or John F. Kennedy? Even. We always, the the you know any any in you know Catholic, Republican Catholics say the same thing yeah they're they're they're, they're um, not really Catholic <laughs> yeah yeah they're adulterers and you know but and, we're all and, adulterers yeah exactly so and that but that's how you justify it. it's like yeah, yeah nah, they're not um, they don't they don't they don't get it nice people but you know you know yeah yeah that's the Irish so uh, you you so opened it. up this segue for me. Uh, so anyway, and I ran for two offices here. Yeah. And no one ever let me forget or believed that I had, you know, embraced this whole new, you know, way of thinking. Yeah. And it, that was disappointing for me. I was disappointed in Madison. It's like, wow, what a timid, afraid sheep, you know, that just... See, I don't necessarily look at it that way. I just look at... Uh, one thing that I've learned this year is that people... It's hard for people to see beyond themselves. Um, I, I think there's a lot of fear in that too, though. I sure, think there's a lot of fear. People because they don't to want trust, to see to trust. Yeah, sure, absolutely. There's no trust left, and there's no like you know, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, so you've opened up a segue for me. Uh, I want you know, knowing that I was going to have you here. And oh, good, you did the research. I was googling, googling. You. I was I was reading old interviews and old yeah. articles. Yeah, step away and get a beer. It's great. Could, could you actually grab me one of these? The second shelf down. Right there, yeah. This is this break is brought to you by Six Point Brewery, the Bengali Tiger, and uh, I forget uh, what's the brewery that you're drinking from. Uh, Something Chicago three one two Goose Goose Island. Goose Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. The Br- Goose Island Beer Company. Um, that's what we're drinking right now. Uh, so I was reading articles, things like that. Um. And it's funny. I think like if I if somebody Google's you, the third result is the Cap Times article from like April last. Yeah, this last April. I'm yeah, not that a, just says <laughs> what a great what awesome. a great article title. Tom Farley. I'm not a Republican anymore. <laughs> like people probably still don't believe me. Well, you know what? You know what my thought was. <laughs> Maybe I was naive or whatever. Uh, this is also a, probably a product of living in Madison my whole life. I went. He was a Republican? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I automatically assume I do wear, you're from Madison, yeah. you're a Democrat, right. or whatever. Well, I do wear a lot of khakis. <laughs> so. <laughs> that is that is a fair uh, fair assessment. Um, but, uh, you know, I've also done my fair share of social media stalking on you this week. Yes, you have. Um, Twitter, I even, I'm not friends with you on Facebook, but I can see bits and pieces of your Facebook Every, Everything's activity. public on Facebook for me. Um, so... You say that that big bold statement. I'm not Republican anymore, but it doesn't seem like you are t- 
totally on the left, though. No, no, no. I'm more progressive. Yeah. And there is a distinction between liberal and progressive. Uh, absolutely, yes. So, yeah, I am. So you, are you a little more middle of the road? No, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, you, you don't have a daughter in a wheelchair and be middle of the road on social issues. I, I guess what I mean I, middle I, of the road, you know I mean like, I guess what I mean yeah. is, you know, there are things from the right that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. But then there are also things for, like a hardcore right wing Republican would be like, no, screw all that stuff from the left. No matter what, I'm a right wing. Well, even, even in my Republican days, I was a... You know, a Ron Reagan. You know, went to Georgetown mm-hmm. during the Reagan year. So, but and you know, he was a big tent Republican. Sure, um, he wanted you to believe what he believed, which I I was you know I liked that. Yeah. Um, um, I think you know, but you know, during the eight years of Bush, you know, I mean, it just it was just you know, they pushed a lot of people that that grew up in that like big tent yeah. and say no no no. Uh, you got you got it's a small tent and you got to ask for permission to come in so i it just is uh um that that soured me on i i am no i i i'm i'm definitely left of center what if anything brings me to the center it's just being a, a wisconsin kid yeah there's a lot of conservative even in the liberals and the democrats even yeah. in madison hey Unless you came from here from New York or something like, if you grew up here in Madison or anywhere in Wisconsin, you got a lot of conservative uh, value type. Oh I mean, yeah, and that, that conservative for I'm sure. Talking, you know, and so especially it, you know, uh, you know, we're all in, in Madison and just in Wisconsin in general. You're either German, Norwegian, or Irish. You know, so you're to, all church people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a lot of that conservative uh, value yeah. comes from growing up in church. Well, I used to say one of my favorite lines I used to talk about a lot is um, when I what I loved about living in New York was, and I was quite jealous of it, is uh, everyone seemed to be all my friends, everyone that I you know, you know went to work with. It always seemed to me that everyone was one generation off the boat. Sure. There was such a you know uh, diverse you know, population of immigrants, and like, oh, my father came here from you know whatever and landed in Brooklyn or you know Bay Ridge, and uh, I thought, wow, that's so cool. But then I I thought back to to Madison, mm-hmm. and what made Madison so cool and so New Yorkish is that it seems that everyone's one generation off the farm. Yeah. Oh and to yeah. To me, that's what makes Madison cool. It's the it's the it's the influences from the coasts, you know, meshing with this, 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 yeah, this Lutheran German. <laughs> yeah, I, totally. I uh, agree. I think I think a lot of Madison, uh, specifically um, in the '80s and late '70s and '80s, a lot of the people coming here were kids who grew up on farms and then were rebelling against their parents and being like, "Screw yeah. that! I'm moving. I'm moving to the city." And I'm going to go do art and, you, or music or whatever. One of the funniest things, I, when I brought my kids back to New York after they were here for about a year, mm-hmm. we went back to visit family, um, and I'm driving down the, the Merritt Parkway in Connecticut, and uh, I go to my, my then-wife. I said, uh, I got it. What's the, what's the difference? She's like, well, it's like, look at the cars. She's like, well, what do you mean? It's like, look at the cars. What do you see? She goes, what am I looking at? I go, look at the bumpers. She goes, there's nothing on the bumpers here. It's like, that's <laughs> right. Because in New York, you want my opinion, I'm going to tell you. I'm yeah. gonna, like, you know, I got no qualms about telling you what's going on. In, in Wisconsin, though, in Madison in particular, it's like, 
Well, we don't talk about those things. You want to know my opinion? It's all my bumper in my car. Mm-hmm. But we don't we don't get involved in any sort of yeah you know you know face to face. Sure. I mean, that's you know if, if we do any spouting off, it's it's behind your back. It's behind your back. <laughs> it's on a it's on a it's on a blog or a yeah. tweet or a yeah bumper sticker or a yard sign. But you know what I I. Uh, I would honestly prefer the New York style. Like, I, I want people to tell me what's up. Absolutely, give me the business because drives me because nuts. then it gives me a chance to at least defend myself. Not defend, but like you know, I, I like the conversation. I don't want to argue with people. I want to have a conversation well, with people. That's what you know. That's what the biggest reason for my my kind of my change. You know, at least politically, is because of my outspokenness. Yeah, I, I took a class at Georgetown. Um, from this just w- I, wickedly smart guy, Evron Kirkpatrick. He was Gene Kirkpatrick's husband, mm-hmm. who worked for Reagan in the UN. And this guy was brilliant. And he just taught this. And it was, it was one book. It was called Conjectures and Refutations. Yeah. And it was about everything. You know, every idea is you've got to you know, put out a conjecture and lay it out there and let people refute it. Sure. And if it holds water. It's a good, strong idea. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, then you need to change the way you're thinking. And so that's, I was always open and honest about what I said. Yeah. Because I wasn't wholly confident of, you know, you know, like I want to make sure that it holds water. And so I, I would throw it out on the table, test it. And uh, that's how you, that's how you learn. That's how you. Absolutely. You know, but there's not a lot of that going on around here. No. You know, people have their ideas. And, and, and that's they, it. Yeah. Not changing. People, yeah, exactly. But you know. I I think there is value in that is to be it, it's hard to say this it, I think there is value in um, being sure of what you believe and what you think well I, I thought I, I thought I was pretty sure of my you know yeah. conservative republicanism yeah uh, you know, but, but then also there's I think there's way more value in being open uh, being open to being wrong basically totally or I, or being not wrong there, being open to the fact that there are other ways to do things and th- that are just as valid as your ways to do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, I trust, I, you know, when I say, okay, that's a great, I, you know what, I see your point. Yeah. I believe it. I'm going to accept that point of view. I, then I expect, if I'm going to be open and say that, then I expect you to, to trust me and sure and say, okay, now you, you believe this. Yeah. So uh, future for you politically, do you feel Jeez. any aspirations at all? Uh, always. Oh, because I like. I, are you? Are, do you work right now? Like, do, uh, yeah, I do have cons- consultant communications. Consultant okay, like. and and then you're, are you speaking? Doing speaking engagements? A lot of lot of speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't sure. Because I knew you were in Dubuque at uh, yeah. is it Clark? Clark College. Clark, yeah. Yeah. Um, Small Catholic college run by nuns. That was. <laughs> that, that wasn't going to happen from a, the start. A little, a little too much. Like yeah. going back in time wow. for you. Wow. Um, they t- these nuns. They talk a big game about social justice, but they they don't mean it at all. Yeah. Um, so, like, I wasn't sure that, uh, where you were after that. Uh, well, I there's moved nothing online yeah, uh, no. as far as, as, far I, as what you're doing. You know, I moved, yeah, I just got divorced. Um, can we t- talk t- about that at all? I just did. Well, I know you just said it, but, like, can we talk about it at all? Yeah. I'm a kid of a divorce. My parents yeah, divorced yeah. three years ago. Yeah, so so we'll, I, we'll come back to that. Okay. So, I mean, I, I had run for two offices, yeah. lost, um, got divorced, and just said, you know, heck with this. I'm done. I got to get out of here. Yeah. So I went down to Dubuque. It's a nice, cute little town. Um, um, 
they got some really cool things going on, but it's small. I mean, it's just sure. Know, there's no you know there's no real university there. So yeah. uh, you know, camp. So I, I you know I went down. I had to. I just really to get away and clear my head. But um, you know, my kids were like, you know, can you go home? I was home every weekend. You know, I was like, I missed. You know, my kids missed me. And yeah, and, so, I, and it's not a huge drive. No, it's easy, really yeah. easy. Yeah. But it's still, I'd come back and like you know miss what was going on here. Sure. So I said, all right, you know, I, and I was very honest of why I moved to Dubuque. It was to get out of, just to, just to clear the air. Just I get breathe it, totally. Again. And so I came back and I said, all right, I'm going to come back, you know, take my time, find, you know, what I want to do. And I promised myself I will never be political or run for office again, <laughs> ever. And I don't think that's possible for me i just yeah. i just love madison too much i care about it yeah absolutely. and i've and i've and, and I, I i i value i mean i i see in myself somebody that is not afraid to speak out and take action and do something yeah and i see particularly in the political world people that just are just talkers and not not, not, not doers not doers yeah yeah it's easy to talk oh you know i actually i remember when i was probably in high school i was reading an article where uh, they were talking about people and their lack of follow through on things. Yeah, and um, th- basically in the article they were saying that people get enough of satisfaction talking about what they want to do that it that then they feel like oh I don't even have to try and do it now. Like well, that, yeah. if, it feels really good to tell somebody, hey, you know I'm thinking about going to on Thanksgiving to go feed the homeless. I'm thinking about doing that. Yeah, and having somebody go oh that's so great that's yeah. so good of you. That's, yeah. and that's enough satisfaction for you that then you never do it. So, you know, it's interesting. People always talk about being, you know, that other people are talkers, not doers. And I think that's really something that's valid. Like, hey, it feels really good to tell somebody you're planning to do something. But, but it's really well, easy I mean, to no, not I, follow I, through I, on I, it, it then. You know, if you want to go into just the way we run the city or the county, it's like yeah. this you know, massive, bo- you know, you know, city council and massive, you know, board of you know, supervisors like, and all they do is talk or listen to other, you know, public input of sure. testifying, you know, like this is what, and everyone feels good after everyone's kind of spouted off and they've talked about it. And then you're like, okay, but what, what are we doing here? No, <laughs> time is up. We got to go home now. Yeah. It's like, what happened there? Yeah. There's no, there's no, uh, it, it's, it, it's kind of like, uh, runners of a race prepping for the race. And then yeah. right when the gun's about to go off, they're like, Oh, time to go. Oh, it's dark. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my parents recently got divorced. My dad, like I said, is a pastor. Uh, so it was a big deal to me. It had to be, yeah. <clears throat> my mom, it was, so you this know, is going to be, go you, ahead. What did, you, did you say they just got divorced? Or um, I think their divorce was finalized in 2011. Yeah, okay. And they're married how long? Uh, the year they got, the, the year that my mom left, <clears throat> moved out of the house, would have been their 30th anniversary yeah, so we that was were, 2010 uh, we were married 23 uh but we were at georgetown together so it was like told together 28 years yeah yeah so I, yeah uh so this will be a good transition because we can kind of talk about addiction and substance abuse uh when we get done with this topic because that is a big part of my parents divorce. you're not gonna make me cry <laughs> you know i okay, thought i'm just <laughs> i thought th- i thought this whole week i was like man what if i make him cry and <laughs> And I, like that's not my goal, but I was like, I I do not. So I will be honest. Try. You, you are you, you are try. the first guest for this podcast. We only have one other episode, 
uh, what we do is we do storytelling Stuff events flames. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, um, By and the way, I was on the Moth once, and it was awesome. Oh, yeah. I love the Moth. Oh, it's so cool. They like, did a thing in Milwaukee, and I got up and did, you know, the, it was the coolest thing. I, I just, yeah. Yeah. So when you thought, I immediately thought of the Moth. I'm like, yeah. there's something like that. I think we're good. I think we're good. Hold on. All right. No, we're good. Uh, sorry, folks. We had some technical difficulties there. Um, to even just have a fraction of what the moth yeah. is would be so cool to me. Yeah. Um, oh, you're I on your way. I don't remember good. where I was going. Divorce, oh, I but so. you should come. You should come to a story oh, slam yeah. sometime. I saw that. I, I, uh, I got online here. So yeah, um, last Friday of every month. Our, yeah. our next one is uh, the day after Thanksgiving, which I know is hard for people, but or easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our theme this month is family gatherings. So what I've said to people yeah, is like, saw that. get together with your family, uh, eat food, uh, go shopping the next morning. I'll bring Emma Get down. sick of your family, and and then come complain about them at the story store. Oh slide. God, that's what think, that's what our holidays are all about. Yeah. Okay. So divorce. Um, hard. Uh, was it? Yeah. Was it? Still is. Mutual. No. Uh, bitterness no. about moving to Madison? Oh, totally. Big factor? Never, never, never uh, accepted her part in it. It was yeah. always, you took me out of the East Coast. And, sure. And, you know, it was, you know, you know, we've been talking about moving off the East Coast for years. And, uh, you know, at least out of New York. So it, it was it was weird. Um, and uh, never really kind of embraced the coolness of Madison. Sure. Um, even while all my kids were thriving, mm-hmm. you know, loving, you know, just, um, just was there was there tension for years? There was there oh, Be- was between there, you guys, between your uh, ex wife and you. Ever since we moved here, yeah. When, yeah. when we you know, so, do you really you put the blame mostly on Madison on moving to Madison? Do you think? Uh, no, that uncovered a lot of things. Stuff I mean, that was you there know, to be. Perfectly honest, I just, you know, we were in college together. Um, we got out of college. I moved back here briefly and said, oh, I missed her. So I moved back. We, we got married pretty pretty early. I had kids and, yeah. you know, it was great. All kind of, you know, when you're raising kids, it, it, it hides a lot of stuff. I mean, if I had to say anything, I, I look back, I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I'll be... Yeah, I don't know who's listening to this, but I may get in trouble on this one. But uh, I just, you know, I look back at my ex-wife and I'm like, you know, I, I really don't think she is capable of truly loving or being loved back. Sure. I think that's, in I essence, understand that. what, in essence, what it came down to for yeah. us. I, I always say about my parents. So my parents, again, were married 30 years. And um, I tell people all the time. Uh, they made it 12 years and then coasted. Yeah, and it was long ago, yeah. I said, I, I will always say, um, my mom could not receive love from my dad the way that he knew how to show it, and my dad what? my dad refused to learn how to show it the way she could receive it. Oh, that's good. That, that's better than how I said it, yeah. That's about, that's, that seems pretty true. Yeah. Um, but I, there's also something about, I don't know. It's funny, you know, women in their early fifties, 
I, I, there's something. I mean, I, 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 there's a lot of my friends, and yeah. they're you know that that are that, that are getting divorced, and they're and literally all of them are like you know these guy friends are like, hey, why are you you know getting divorced? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what ha- she just like. I, I need something different. Has it been? Um, I'm like, wow. Has it been a lot of people who it was like very early in their life that they found the one they're going to be with? Uh, like for the yeah. women specific, like you say, you have a lot of friends who are getting divorced. Uh, for the for the women in that crowd, no, no, not, not it, it, it's, it's the starting point. I don't. I think it's is different for everyone. Sure. I think it's just something about this age. It's like you know, it's my last shot to yeah to do something different and like. Right. It, that's interesting to me. Like the um, the the idea of like, hey, I am in my fifties. I'm on this end of dying. Yeah. Uh, this is my last shot for something different. Yeah, still got some, some looks. It, instead know. of, hey, I'm on this side of dying, let's make the best of... Well, that was how I was coming from things, yeah. Yeah, this, that's though, interesting. Well, and even, you know, it's kind of like, even when we were struggling financially... Sure. It was always, you know, hey, I'm running a nonprofit. It's like, yeah. you know, why can't they pay you more? It's like, I'm they. <laughs> I mean, you know... Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I bet people think, don't you have Chris Farley money? Oh, I always got that. Yeah. It's like, no. Um, we spent that really quickly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no. Well, and you know, I, I have friends who, um, uh, you know, like I said, my dad's a pastor. Uh, people hear that and think that he must be really conservative, whatever, whatever. My dad was a pastor who my whole life <laughs> told me, uh, if you ever want to try LSD, and I think it, it's a positive thing to do. I will buy it for you. My whole life told me that. Wow. So that's the kind of d- pastor dad I had. Uh, well, I so mean, but I, that's the age. I mean, there was, there's still people that, oh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. the LSD thing is so, an interesting study. Yeah. So I say that um, uh, to say that, like, I was watching, my first R-rated movie when I was, in a theater was when I was nine. Um, my dad loves pop, pop culture, so I love pop culture. Yeah. has always been a big part of my life. So, but I have friends who are like, oh, that guy's on TV. He is worth $150 million. And it's like, no, he probably has a modest apartment in LA right. and, you know, makes well, people, more money than I do. But so people think Chris Farley money is like, oh, he's, he was on SNL. He had, he was in movies. And like, but they forget Chris was in, starred in three movies, like was the star. Yeah. yeah. And maybe made $5 million for each movie. And so like, well, and the, and the thing is, in, in SNL, I mean, yeah. that's, that money all goes to Lauren Michaels. Yeah, he made that deal yeah. years ago yeah. when he came back, and the, and you and these people sign their lives over to you know that's going to be this is it's SNL. Everyone's, yeah. everyone, yeah, you want to be on SNL because you're on SNL, not to make money. And you make a decent living. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, but um, but you also have you know if you make you know, you know five hundred thousand um, after you know. Three or four years on SNL. Sure, um, you know, uh, government's taking half of that, and you got probably an agent, a manager, and uh, you know, maybe a couple other people that are taking ten percent, ten percent each. So I mean, yeah, yeah it doesn't, it, it gets, it gets cut down pretty quick. Absolutely. So to get back to where we were, we were talking about um, uh, struggling financially. Yeah. Uh, oh. You and your ex-wife, even it in those just, years, it, it, taking responsibility for it. It's like you know, it was always like you know. Um, you know, you've created this. It's like, you know, yeah. I'll take 50% of the blame. Yeah. You know, but it, I think, um, 
Yeah, for, for me, it was my wife just didn't take responsibility for really anything. And sure. Particularly not even, you know, I mean, all the problems of our marriage were, you know, once you know, it was coming from one source. And it was mm-hmm. like, you're not doing that. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to offend you at all, but I think that's, it's my, it, it would be very easy for me to look at my parents' marriage and say, it was totally my mom's fault. Uh, uh, my mom's an alcohol, alcoholic. And, and they got divorced in the, in when she got sober, well, got sober. Yeah. Um, but there were, there was stuff that I could, if I really think about it, it's like, well, dad did this and, and, oh, there's no question. And, 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 and so maybe I misunderstood you. No, no. Well, I mean, I'm just, that's, that's the one, that's that one side. Sure. But, you know, on my side, as, as I've said, and we've alluded to, you know, from, you know, generationally, um, the Farleys, particularly the Farley males, are very strong personalities. Yeah. There's no question about that. You can't get around that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we're, 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 we're loud. You know, we, we, we come into a room and we own it. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, we just, we like to be the, you know, like to entertain. Sure. Um, and we like to be around people. And... If you're not, if you don't like that, if you want to have your own kind of little thing going on, and yeah, that would be tough to to be around. I I, mm-hmm. I, I totally get that. Yeah, um, it's my mom's family is very much that way. Uh, my mom is the loud one, and my dad grew up in a very Norwegian stoic, yeah, and, quiet yeah. family. And and so my my mom's dad was the pastor of the large church in Madison. And so there was a lot of entertaining, a lot of choosing of people. Totally. Um, And I I say this all the time, quiet people, I can't stand them. Yeah. I am a loud, boisterous kind of guy. I like to talk. I like to hear stories. I like to tell stories. And I want to laugh loud. I want to be a part of loud things. And so, like, when I meet a soft-spoken, quiet person, I'm like, how can, like... What a horrible way to live. Well, particularly because I, you know, it, when you're around people all the time and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that kind of engaging person, you, you also become a pretty good judge of character. Yeah. And when you see a quiet person, you're like, God, you've got so much to offer. Would yeah. you just, you know, you want to draw it out. I, I want to like totally. That makes it. perfect sense yeah. to me. Yeah. It's like, I see it. You yeah. may not see it. You know, yeah. you don't see it in yourself, but I see it. And I want you to be all you can be. Yeah. But um, my wife is pretty quiet. Uh, loves to laugh. Loves to laugh yeah. with me. And is very funny herself. Yeah, so, yeah, my wife was too. Comes from a very big Irish family. Yeah. Uh, they're Catholic. I, so I'm, I'm Protestant, non-denominational. That's how my upbringing I married into a big Irish Catholic family. Yeah, but your dad was a pastor, so you said, come at me, come on. Yeah, what do basically, you got? basically, huh? yeah. You, you uh, can't fight and that. so, I, but I see that, I, I see what you just said, I see that in myself, where like, I'll be talking with my wife, and she will be kind of quiet sometimes, and I'm like, but don't you see like all this potential you've got to like, just, you're so funny, and like, you just, you just don't put it out there. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like, how cool that you reserve that just for me, like when we're at home together. Um, so I think that's cool. Uh, I want to move on to substance abuse real quick. I had one other thing that sure. I was going to say that was interesting. Well, uh, probably wasn't. I'm sure it was. Oh, 
the another, one thing that my wife just couldn't ever come to grips with was the shadow of Chris Farley. Sure. I, but, I mean, totally understandable, and, right? And she always, um, you know, she was like, you know, why can't you step away from that? Because I was running the Chris Farley Foundation. Mm-hmm. And... And she's like, you know, you're, you're just you're just obsessed, and you're writing books on them, and you're you know, live your own life. I'm like, I have. I mean, I've gone into schools throughout Wisconsin, throughout the country. Yeah. And people come up to me and say, Oh my God, you've changed me. I don't talk about Chris in school. You know, I bring him up as as a reference, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm you know, motivation. You know, I'm being a motivational speaker, oddly enough. And um, <laughs> I, I every time I read that, uh, like. Uh, uh, I think on your Twitter it says motivational speaker. Yeah. It's funny, I, I just, right? I just was like, yeah. I'm Matt Foley. Totally. Yeah. And um, and I, you know, people still write me like, oh my god, you you've totally changed my life. And uh, um, I, like I'll, I'll tell you, know, um, I was up with this this you know, in one of the ways I used to teach kids how to communicate better. Sure. Is to to resist peer pressure, and that was my how to stay away from drugs is, is teach them you know, comedy and, and communicate better and, and work in ensembles. And I was doing a thing up in this little, in Rio, Wisconsin. I was yeah. in middle school. And I, they were, give me, I was going to do an improv skit with one kid. I go, give me a volunteer. This kid's hand shot up. Sure. And um, I go, oh, enthusiastic kid. I, I know the type. It's like, <laughs> probably like Chris. I say, come on down here. And I see all the teachers kind of roll their eyes, go, oh, my God. And all the peers, you know, his classmates were like, uh-oh. And I do, and I do this one thing, like, we're going to tell a story one word at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're going to talk to our parents about this problem. And, I go, and, I, and I'll start off. I go, Mom. And he goes, Dad. I go, I want you to sit down. And we told this story. And afterwards, I, I go to the teachers, and I go, and we were sitting in the cafeteria having lunch afterwards. I go, that kid was great. What, what, you know, why was everyone kind of so yeah. like, nervous about And this teacher goes, you don't understand. That's the most autistic kid we had in the school. Wow. And you just what you just transformed this whole school. Not, he, I mean, this guy has never felt better about himself, and his peers are never going to look at him the same. Yeah, and that has nothing. That experience has nothing to do with Chris, nope. Chris Farley, and I could never convince my wife that that's what I was out there doing. Sure, and she yeah. was always. I mean, undeniably, was, uh, you were there because Chris Farley is your brother. Yeah. and so do you think it's. Do you think that's where she was focused? Yeah, that, totally. Yeah. I'm like, you, my life has changed because I was going into this, these schools yeah. and, and changing their life. Hey, you know, not, I'm not talking about Chris and, you know, who's my brother. And I, I, I was doing it myself. Well, you know, it's interesting because I said to you in an email, I do not want you to think that you're going to come and we're going to talk and I'm going to say, tell me all about Chris. No, um, no, no, I know. And what I, what I have said to people this week, they're like, you know, People know that I'm doing this, and, and they know who you are and who Chris is, obviously. And so they're like, oh, you're going to talk about Chris a lot. And I'm like, well, no. Like, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> it's this weird thing. I, I would say I, I, want, I am interested in Tom and Tom's stories from his life. It's a point and of reference said, to start yeah, talking well, about everything. Well, yeah. then your life, you are yeah. Chris Farley's brother. That's part of your Can't, life. It's an totally undeniable is. fact about your life. So, I, so I've said, you know... Um, I'm sure it'll come up. It, yeah. You know, it has to. Well, of course. But, um, you know, that's a frame of reference. Last, uh, last thing on divorce. Tough for your kids? Yeah, uh, only because... Um, they're how old? They're, they're in their 20s. Okay. 21, uh, 20, 21, 23 mm-hmm. um, in college. But, um, uh, yeah, because, you know, my wife kind of 
totally detached herself. She's like, you know, didn't just write me off. She wrote everyone off. It's really? Just, yeah. She just... And that's why I came. Another reason I came back from yeah. Dubuque is like. Did she move back to the East Coast? No, she's still here. She's still here. Yeah, interesting. All right, that's a heavy subject that we could keep going on. Yeah, it also could get me in a lot of trouble. So. Yeah, I don't, and I don't want to do that. Uh, so substance abuse, like I said, a big part of my parents' yes, divorce please. was my mom's alcoholism. Right, um, and you know, obviously, anybody listening listening to to this knows that substance abuse is a big part of your life. Yeah. Um, uh, my mom, I, you know, it was interesting. I had a conversation with my mom last night and I just said, I'm talking to Chris Farley's brother tomorrow. Uh, and I need to know how okay it is to tell your slash my slash our story. Yeah. Yeah. And she basically said, it's your story too. Like, oh, nice. you are more than willing to talk about it. Uh, you're, I'm more than willing to have you talk about it and, and you're totally free to say anything you want. Um, my mom is an is a hopeless alcoholic who who puts together good amount of time where she's sober. Um, I don't know that she's had a full year uh, since she went. The first time she went to inpatient rehab was in 2010. I don't think she's had a full year, uh, but she's gotten really close. Yeah. Um, but that was probably the hardest thing I ever went through. Because uh, and and what kind of sucked about it was like, my dad in 2007 um, was preaching on a Sunday morning and collapsed on stage and had heart failure, um, and had a defibrillator and pacemaker in his chest. Sure. And so we went through that, and that was really stressful. And then my mom's drinking started up. But I don't. I don't know when it started. She told me one time, uh, "I've been drinking far longer than anybody would ever know." That's that's always the funniest question I always get. Is you know, and any anyone touched by addiction, is the same thing. It's like, well, you know, when did you? When did it start? It's like you don't see it start. Yeah. yeah. You know, you just kind of remember it getting out of control, but you never yeah, see it exactly start. the start. Um, my, my mom had gastric bypass surgery. Yeah, um, and if you if you just if you Google gastric by, bypass surgery and alcoholism, oh. every, every story you'll read will be exactly what my mom's story is. The surgery causes your body to metabolize alcohol, alcohol differently, so the, her first drink after that surgery was a completely new experience for her. It made her feel different than she'd ever felt before, and from that moment on, was hooked. Um, wow. Yeah, no, you should research it. It's what, very interesting. It's interesting because, you know, I, you know uh, there's a long line in my family, the Farley side, mm-hmm. of <laughs> large individuals. You know, we always, we always had, you know, there's a lot of weight issues yeah. in our family and obviously a lot of alcoholism. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my, yeah, my, my, you know, my, you know, we, we know all the surgeries. Yeah. yeah. We've, heard, you know, we've, people in my family, we've had them all or talked about them all. And so, uh, that's an interesting connection. I never thought about that. Yeah, it, it is. Honestly, wow. the, the first time I did that Google search, I was like every wow. story I went like just replace the name Denise with my mom's name, and that is it. Like I mean, it's wow. It, it is it, the, from what I've read, they say that you that first drink. So basically, what the surgery does is it causes the alcohol to skip a filtering process. Got it. And it basically just goes straight to your bloodstream, and and um, totally changes you. Uh, so I don't remember. It, it was frightening. It, it was, it was scary because for a long time I, I lived at home late into my twenties. I'm 27 now. I, I think I'm, I, 
I mean, I, I only moved out of my dad's house this year. I'm a late bloomer. As I, I still live with my mom, so shut <laughs> up. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, for a long time, you know, my brother and sister were out of state. And yeah. for a long time, right. it was just me. I, w- I was the only person in my family who recognized, hey, mom's an alcoholic. That, and that included my dad. That included her parents, her siblings, all of that. And so for a long time... So do they blame you? No. I'm kidding. I'm just... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, sorry. I'm, just I'm just giving you back what you're giving me. Um, um, so, so, like, I remember... So remember my dad's heart condition and my mom's, like, yeah. desperate alcoholism. For a long time, I would go out at night um, and, and stay out with friends to avoid being at home. And then when I finally had to go home, I would... Be, I, every mile that I got closer to home, I would cry more because I knew... Yeah. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt I was either coming home to my dad dead or my mom dead. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. And, I and know it exactly was, what you mean. It was so scary. And I, you know, I, I've not struggled with addiction. Um, my dad doesn't struggle with addiction. He, he did drugs and, and drank a lot when he was younger. But one day was just like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. So, and some people are like that. My mom was like that. Yeah. She was the first one in the family to get sober. Um, you know, long before Christmas, so she's probably going on 20 years now. Yeah. Never looked back. Yeah. Never looked back. And so it was really hard for, like, my dad and I to understand, hey, why can't you just stop this thing? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I will never forget, for the rest of my life, I'll never forget my mom walking into the kitchen with a a grocery bag, and, you know, clear plastic grocery bag with a bottle of, what's a, a bunch of stuff. Her drink of choice was white wine, so she had groceries and then a bottle of white wine, and I went, why do you have wine? She went, I don't have wine. I said, it's wow. right there. I see it. And she goes, no, you don't. There's no wine in here. And I went, mom, mom. Like, I, I got up from the kitchen table. I walked over to it and grabbed it. She goes, that's not wine. <laughs> and like, I mean, it, that's how big her denial holy was shnikes. at the end. Yeah. Okay. That was great that you just said, holy shnikes. Did I? <laughs> I didn't realize that. <laughs> um, wow. So th- it was hard. There, there was this level of denial. And what I've come to really learn for a lot of um, addicts, it's it's like giving up a child. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about it being a friend. Yeah. But I think I think a more um, apt description of it is it's a child. It, it is. Um, it's <laughs> it really is like imagining. Where's your brother? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so and, and I know with with your family's history and then being the head of the uh, Chris Farley Foundation that that's something that is near and dear. Um, but I read in an article that you had, had basically stopped drinking except for a Guinness on St. Patrick's day. Mm-hmm. But I know that we've had a couple beers. You know, um, it, it, when my kids were, you know, I stopped probably two times in my life for about five, five years at a time. Mm-hmm. And they were all when my kids were from very little through through high school, you know, middle school through high school. Sure. I, and and uh, the, the, I, I took it up, a, you know, when we were moving here because that was very stressful. Yeah. And I, um, I realized, uh, like, when I can, you know, I, I can have a couple beers, but when stress comes into my life, it just takes off. That's, sure. That's when, that's when my alcoholism really takes off on me. Yeah. Um, so, so it's interesting that you say that. You say my alcoholism. Would you call yourself an alcoholic? Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. But you're okay with having a couple beers most of well, the time. If well, you're not... Yeah, I mean, I'm a function... Now I'm a... You know... Uh, yeah. I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't drink. 
Sure. And if stress comes into my life, yeah. it's I know it's going to, you know. I'm right there with you. Um, I, I wouldn't call myself an alcoholic or an addict, but uh, I was recently looking for a job and couldn't find one. I, I had a job. I just hated it. Yeah. And, but, and I was really depressed. Yeah. And, and I would come in ho- home at night with a six-pack and drink most of it. Yeah. And, uh, and my wife even at one point was like, hey, you know, like I know you're depressed, but like you can't drink like this. Lay off me, I'm thirsty. <laughs> I mean, that was it. Like, you know what? It was, and this is a dangerous spot to be uh, because I know a lot of addicts who have started this way. Uh, I wanted to go to sleep at night. And if I, if I didn't uh, do, drink yeah, and get a buzz, and the, oh. it's in, I'm in my head the entire night. Yeah. Um, for me, more than anything, I was, you know, family to me was so important. And I just knew the environment I grew up in. It wasn't bad, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, there was an ambiance around, you know, 5 o'clock. And, you know, yeah. you know, you know, Dad would come in, where's my scotch? And um, uh, I... And then I was running the foundation. I, I, um, I remember one <laughs> in the in the middle time be- between my two points of sobriety. I was going. We were going to a marriage counselor, and uh, this guy was like going. And one of the things my wife brought up is like, well, he drinks a lot, you know, at that point. Yeah. And the guy goes, well, what do you do? It's like, well, I run the Chris Farley Foundation. And what's that? I go, well, I communicate about <laughs> that um, you shouldn't drink. Yeah, <laughs> that I shouldn't drink. And um, and the other thing my wife said, she goes, he just doesn't communicate very well. It's like. Okay, so you're a communications <laughs> professional, running a foundation on on uh, uh, substance abuse and, and drinking, and your wife is telling me that you drink too much and you don't communicate. <laughs> She's like, he goes, maybe you want to think about giving up drinking again. It's like, okay, so I did, and I, yeah, that was good. But um, uh, I've always been very happy about the you know, the times I didn't drink. It was when my kids were very young and and through high school, and um, they're up to high school. Uh, and they grew up in an, in a family environment that that was different from mine. Sure. They never saw me drink. Yeah. And um, and I talked a lot about you know that you know Chris and what his problems were, and, and I talked about openly about my problems. And the net result was I got my kids through high school in Madison, Wisconsin, without any problems. All three of them. Yeah. Which is big in Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> That's one of the it's things impossible. I wanted to touch on. I wanted to touch on the fact that like. Uh, you know, uh, how do you tell your kids don't drink when in Madison, yeah, Wisconsin, yeah. as a parent on a Saturday, you are probably tailgating the Badger game. You well, know what I mean? I used to go into schools and uh, into these community, you know, and talks, and you know, kids would be there and the parents would be in the background. And I said, you know, I feel bad. You like you, sixteen-year-olds particularly, yeah. yeah, because for sixteen years, where have we been taking you as parents? Where have we been taking you? Every single Friday night, and yeah. you'd go uh, fish fry. It's like yes, <laughs> and you would go into your favorite tavern, and you would see the, the parking lot fill up, and you would go in. It may not be your table, but you would look around at this tavern. Yep, and it'd be you know brown liquids or pitchers of beer, you know, for the next hour and a half, and then an hour and a half later, that parking lot would be empty. Yeah. And now we're at 16. We're telling you, you can't even think about drinking and, and a car in the same thought. You sure. must think we're crazy. Because yeah. we have not, for 16 years, You've seen this. you have seen this thrive. And, and, I, and, and then I would say to, to college kids, I would say the same thing. It's like, 
don't let people blame you in Madison yeah. for this drinking culture that we have because you go down Regent Street, those, you know, especially at, at 11 o'clock games when it's like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, students aren't even out of bed yet. Yeah. You know, you look at the student sections, that's not even filling up till halftime. That's all 20, 30. The problem of living in a college town is you got 20, 30, 40-year-olds thinking they're still in college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're drinking like it, and that's our problem. Yeah. I, you responded to a tweet uh, a while ago. I don't remember what the, the tweet was. It was basically something about drinking and why it's so prevalent in college. And, and the question was posed, like, is it because of this? And you said, no, it's because of the culture. Cool. Always has been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it has nothing to do with age. This it's it's how you it's how you grow up, and you know, we, at one time the, the 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 Wisconsin tavern was a lot like the Irish pub. It's yeah. where the town went, mm-hmm. and it was it was, it was everything. Everyone was, came there to eat their fish and drink and blah blah blah. But uh, you know, now we still think we still clutch to our taverns, but we're not utilizing them in the same way as this communal place. It's just a place to binge drink and and, yeah. and we think, no, we're just being culturally, you know, who we are. It's like, yeah. no. That's <laughs> not new that's you've 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 warped it into something really yeah bad. But you know, I think um growing up my dad drank. He had he had beer. Um I would never I, I I'm never gonna be the parent who doesn't drink in front of my kids. Because I because I think there's the danger of if you demonize it too much, uh, yeah. there's the... Oh, see, I never demonized because my wife drank. Yeah. So I was like, no, that's cool. You know, I, just, I just knew for me, particularly with what I was doing as a job, you know, as a yeah. running a foundation. Yeah. Um, it just, and plus, it was, it was the right thing for me. I wasn't, I wasn't a good parent. If you were drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, a uh, couple more things. We're coming up on an hour and a half. Jeez. Um, kids, don't drink. It's bad for you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. Uh, so one question that I have from somebody on Reddit. Yeah? Uh, R.C. Harris, 85, on Reddit, said I would be... <laughs> this is something that I thought of, too. He said, I would be very interested to know what Tom's fondest memories are of the show together... And how often people sing songs from the from the show to him in public? Oh my God, that's great! Uh, that's I, Kevin's I've spent ca- the I've spent the whole week going. I know my, my calculus. calculus. <laughs> you plus me equals us. Oh my us. gosh, I'm it, so happy right now. It, it, um, the, the, this was Kevin's little uh, boy band. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh my God! The, the fun, what's really fun now is you you know being out with Kevin, and you know Kevin's been in all these movies and yeah. you know and he's he's directed movies and he's he's got a great stand up routine now and people come and it's like oh my God I was such a big fan of you know with 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 you and you were in two together and uh, I, we always laugh you know it's hysterical yeah. but the the fondest memory of together was. Um, uh, I was in, living in New York. I was still in, in Connecticut, but Kevin goes, oh, uh, you want to go to the VMAs with me? Yeah. So I said, yeah. So I met him at his hotel with the guys, the, the together guys. Sure. And uh, we got in a limo. We go to uh, Radio City and I go to the red carpet. And I'm sitting there with these idiots. You know, Kevin was like the oldest of all these, you know, they were, I mean, sure. 
um, you know, Michael Cuccione was like probably eight, sixteen or seventeen at the time, and uh, um, and Kevin was always trying to corral these people, and it's like, would you, you know, get over, come on, get, try and be the adult uh, there. And uh, so we, we get in the saloon, and we go over there, and we walk down the red carpet going to the uh, VMAs, and uh, I'm sitting there talking to Kevin, and all the paparazzi are slapping, you know, going nuts, and, I'm, yeah. and, and all I hear is like, get out of the shot, move, move. <laughs> and I'm looking, it's like, are they, are they talking to me? And, like, and they're pointing at me. Like, Who else would they be talking yeah, to? Yeah, it's like, oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> so we go in, and all of a sudden, we're sitting in the third row, and I'm like, Kevin, man, these are awesome seats. He goes, Tommy, I got we, we're number fifteen on Billboard. Yeah, my album's outselling half these guys in here. Yeah, and I'm like, no way. That's so great. And uh, so who would have thought? I, it was weird. And like, Brittany walks by, you know, like, yeah. in the front, and she's like, Hi, Kevy. I'm like, <laughs> Are you shitting me, Kevin? <laughs> No way. No and way did Britney Spears just, just say, you call know, you Kevy. Hi, Kevy. Yeah. Because they opened for her, like, at Jones Beach that summer. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, and then I'm on the, I'm on the aisle, and Kevin's next to me, and uh, I hear this, Kevin, Kevin, hey, buddy, buddy. And I look over, and it's Tommy Hilfiger. Wow. And I'm like, Kevin, I think freaking Hilfiger wants to, he goes, oh, yeah, I was at his party last night. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> That's I mean, too I can handle the... Um, uh, you know the Hollywood crowd, but sure. the, but the music crowd is a totally whole different. different thing. It was yeah. really weird. Yeah, and I can I, only imagine it was like Kevin, what are you doing, Kevin, the superstar singer? It's like what, yeah, serious what Sam, is the this? superstar yeah, totally. singer. Totally, and, he, and it, it was just so surreal. Sure. That together time. Have a couple quick questions to finish it out here. Uh, I told my brother I only have. I only have one celebrity masturbatory question for you. And, oh. and that is, besides family members, who is the coolest person where if I found your phone and went through it, I could call? Oh, shit. Um, Quincy Jones. Oh, that's too cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, well, obviously Sandler. Yeah. Uh, Spade. Yeah. Um, now, I'm going to stop you there. Because that, that is actually my final question for you. Beef with Spade? No, he's just a punk. He, he, he's like I a little that, yeah. I asked that. Re- you saw that? T- because of this tweet. Read that tweet for me. Yeah, yeah. The, the, okay. the first, the tweet from the from, from, from what WTF the F- facts what or whatever. WTF facts. Um, David Spade did not attend Chris Farley's funeral because he, quote, could not be in a room where Chris was in a box. And, and then you tweeted back. I tweeted back. He wasn't missed. <laughs> So I read that, and I thought, is there beef there that I don't know? No. And I'm really hoping that you say something very inflammatory about David Spade that TMZ picks up, and then... then, Right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, David was... He was was my little brother's friend. Sure. And, you know, I would treat him like all my little brother's friends, like Mm -hmm. little punk. And he's a little punk. And now, actually, Kevin and Spade are together all the time. Yeah, I see see that on Instagram. They're better friends probably than than he and Chris. Actually, you know, actually, there's because there's less competition. You know, know, that's interesting. I read that in an article that basically the the writer of the article was saying, you got to understand, in the world of comedy, you are competing with these people. Yeah. And and David felt a little bit slighted by Chris and and others that Chris was getting this attention he wasn't getting. Yeah. So there may have been more than just I can't be in a place where my friend is in a box. 
Um, it has nothing to do with that's and that's why kind of said that it's like David. So bullshit. was it was it really hey. the, the, the honest to God truth? Because it's because it's always about David. Yeah, I know well, David well enough to know that everything about David is about David. Sure. And going to Chris Farley's funeral wasn't going to be about David. Yeah, it's like he wasn't coming. I don't remember if it was in your book or not, or if it was in an article I read today. Um, but he he said, you know, at some point it just becomes you're an asshole until you die. Um, and, and I think the point he was making was, hey, at the end of Chris's life, he was a drunk who was being an asshole. When he was drunk, yeah, absolutely. And, 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 then, and then I think his point was, and then when he died, he was uh, made a saint. As is often the case, I don't necessarily agree with that 100%. My brother, yeah, yeah, no, because you, you have those times. My brothers and I, you know, we always get together and, like, you know, we love, you know. Yeah. Like, remember when that... The asshole did this to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, what a dick he was. Yeah, I mean, we have to have those moments. Yeah. So no beef with David. Just, just uh, no, but you know, David be honest is, about why you weren't there. Yeah, David is who David is, and and yeah. and, and uh, Kevin still, when he wants to get in in Spade's, you know, cranium, he, he yeah, you know, it's like you're still hanging on to that coattail, dude. <laughs> you're still, and he's like, sure, and and and, 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 and Dave and Kevin knows, yeah, and David knows, and he's absolutely right. I mean, David has had three syndicated shows, yeah, you know, a lot of movies, but he'll never be Chris Farley Mm-mm. ever. I think I think every time I've seen him I mean, in just, a show, I've gone, "Oh, remember when you were in that yeah, movie with, with Chris Farley?" He always gets it, and, it, yeah. and Kevin's with him when he gets it, yeah, and it just kills bugs him. him. Yeah. Really bugs him. So, yeah. Well, that's a great answer. I love that. I think we can end on that. Um, Sweet. Thank you so much this for coming. This was fun. Yeah. I, honestly, come back anytime. Anytime oh, you want to do it. Want, yeah. Like, I, I could probably... I, you've got so many stories that we could I, we could fill up many episodes. Yeah. Um, so I love this. And, you know, I know Kevin makes his way back here every now and then. And John. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. the three of you ever wanted to do something, that would be amazing. Um, so, yeah. I, Johnny's I, kind of loose cannon, but Kevin, I think... No, <laughs> you never know where Johnny's going to go. Yeah. All right. I uh, want to say thank you to Tom Farley. Again, his book is called The Chris Farley Show, which he co-authored with Tanner Colby. It is a great biography of Chris. If you want to know how he grew up, uh, where he grew up, and how he got to where he got. Uh, one last really quick question. Yeah. I know that I'm outroing the show right now. The book, I, the one thing that I kept thinking was there's no redemption in the end and and that's really hard well, you know, I, the, the, when I before it was published um, I was doing a, 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 a talk uh, I was doing emceeing something and I did a Q&A at uh, somewhere here in Madison oh it was it was when my daughter was at uh, West High doing drama so it was the drama sure. uh, club whatever all the parents it was you know a fundraiser and people asked me about the book and this was like the West High parents yeah. of drama kids so it was a pretty serious uptight group you know the academic type. Yeah. Know, so what's your book about? <laughs> and I looked down and I said, "Well, you know, it's the first time somebody ever asked me that." And I said, "Yeah, it's a lot like the Bible. Okay, you know what's going to happen in the end, but there's some great stories leading up to it." Yeah. And people are like, "Is he serious?" You know, and my wife's going, "Oh God, I can't believe you just said <laughs> that's that." That's a great description. And I said, "That's it. There doesn't have to be. You know, the redemption comes in the talk afterwards. But yeah. you know, at the end, yeah, that's what happens. That's at a the good end. answer. It comes in the talk afterwards. Yeah." Well, again, Tom Farley, thank you so much for being here. We've really enjoyed it. This was fun. Absolutely. Again, come back anytime you want. I will. All right. uh, That's it for us at Johnson Public House. Our next Story Slam is November 28th, the day after Thanksgiving. 
Our theme again is family gatherings. So come tell a story about being upset with your family and how stupid they are, <laughs> which I have many of those stories. Um, again, thank you so much to Johnson Public House for letting us invade their space. Uh, you can come check out Johnson Public House at 908 East Johnson Street in, here in Madison. And again, once more, thank you, Tom Farley, for being here. Oh, this was fun. 